Hello there. My name is Ted Burningham. I am a uh, family practice physician. I practiced, I graduated my residency in 1996 and I've been practicing family medicine since then. I've done 21 years of outpatient clinical medicine and urgent care in the after hours clinics and on weekends. And I've done eight years in the emergency department, which I'm currently doing right now full time in uh, rural America and places that need me. Um, I am doing this uh, video here on the subject of depression. And the reason I'm doing this, sometimes people say, now why are you doing this? And the reason I'm doing this is because every week I go visit my parents. Um, they just turned, uh, my mom just turned 80, my dad's 80, I think he turns 81 this next birthday. I might be wrong on that. Um, but my mom told me, this was just yesterday I visited her, and she told me that she knows four people in the last month that have taken their own life. And that is just tragic. And she says, well, we don't know that many people. They moved a few years back. And so they're, you know, the circle of friends they grew up with, that I grew up with, that they lived in, uh, has gotten smaller, as you can imagine, as people get older. And the fact that four people that they know have taken their own lives, and these aren't all young people. Some of them are, are uh, past retirement age. And this is just a tragedy. And I thought, you know what? I've got to do something because I know depression. Uh, I've been practicing since 1996. When I started practicing, depression and anxiety disorders were not very common. Uh, certainly not like they are now. I used to see one or two a day in a full eight-hour, nine-hour day. When I left my family practice in 2018, I am not, I'm not exaggerating when I said I was seeing eight to ten patients a day. Out of an 18 to 20 patient uh, visit day in my office, eight to 10 of them were anxiety or depression of all ages, teenagers, young children, uh, young newly marrieds, 30s, 40s, up on till retirement age and beyond. It is the plague of our age. Um, it is the one that everybody thinks they know everything about, that everybody's an expert, just listen to them. So I thought I could help. And I thank you so much for tuning in. I think I can help you here. I'll tell you some things that have helped me. And of course, everything I say is me, Dr. Ted, Ted Burningham, Dr. Ted. Um, I'm just giving you what I've learned over the years. I know we can get you better. If you've tuned in and you're depressed or you have anxiety or you just think you've lost hope or whatever, uh, you just hang on. And I promise you, we can help you. First of all, let me tell you what depression is not. It is not a bad attitude. It's not, you're not trying. It's not you don't care or you're not that bright or you're angry or you're mean or anything like that. Uh, people that have depression can be, or anxiety disorder, it can be the hardest thing they ever did just to get out of bed in the morning. Um, it's really a real condition. It is a medical condition that is treatable. Um, so it is not your attitude. It is a chemical, hormonal thing in addition to other things. The problem is, is it's a hard thing to define, right? As, as a doctor, if somebody comes in with a nosebleed or they've cut their hand, it's pretty easy to see the problem. There's blood, stop the blood, and the problem's gone. It's 0% or 100%. You either are continuing to bleed or you're no longer bleeding, problem fixed. But depression can be all different shapes and sizes and it can be many different things. There can be, most people are not capital D depressed. They are not suicidal, although some are, and I hope if you know somebody that is, tell them to listen to this, because we can get them better. It is fixable. This is, there's no 
reason that this has to be something that they can't uh, overcome. Um, so most people are not capital D. They're not suicidal. They, they do get out of bed and go to work or school or raise their kids or go and do the daily chores of the day, which in our world, tell me, is not different than it used to be. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago, there's so much more expected of us nowadays with cell phones and with emails and Facebook. And I've got to return all those um, texts that my family sent me and I forgot to send back my boss his email and I forgot to do that thing yesterday. And then there's all those programs I want to watch. I want to see the things I've taped on TV. And there's just so many things that just add up that mentally and emotionally start to build in our, our minds and on our shoulders that it starts to cause different changes in our the way our brain functions. So it is not capital D all the time. Most of the time, what I used to say in my office, like I say, eight to 10 times a day the last several years, I mean, eight to 10 people every day, four and a half days out of the week, little d depression. These are people who come in and say, I'm just, I don't, nothing sounds fun anymore. My wife says, do you want to go out? And I say, nah, not really. Uh, so do you want to stay home? Nah, not really. Okay, so you don't want to go out. You don't want to stay home. What, what, what do we do? They don't understand it. And it's hard when you're married for somebody that's married to somebody with little d depression to what's going on? Is it something I did or I said or something? No, it is nothing like that. It can be somebody that just hates their job and they may actually love the work they do, but they hate their job and it's not necessarily the job. It can be somebody that just says, I can't concentrate anymore. I can't remember anything. I put my keys down and I forget where I put them. I'm, I'm absent-minded. I'm, I'm forgetting little things like, um, where did I park my car? And where did I put my keys? And I forget that, oh yeah, I was supposed to do that today. I totally forgot. And they think, a lot of them, especially if they're a little bit older, they think something's wrong with their brain and their memory. They think they've got Alzheimer's disease. And this is what I tell them. I say, I've seen Alzheimer's disease, a lot of them. And I tell people Alzheimer's disease is a great disease to have because you don't know you have it. You just go back into 1950 and you live back then and you don't remember anything but back in 1950. It's a horrible disease to take care of somebody who has because you don't remember your children's names. You don't remember your husband or wife's name. You forget where you live and they wander around the neighborhood and it's really tough. And they can remember things, Alzheimer's patients. They can pick the lock and get outside and move around when it's winter. And many times you'll find, you know, somebody outside in the exposure and it's very, very dangerous. Uh, so Alzheimer's disease is not de depression. Uh, little d depression, your memory, your focus, your concentration are not what they used to be. And you know it and you can sense it. And sometimes people around you can. Here's a very common one, especially for men. Men get anger and irritability issues. I mean, their fuse gets really short. They find themselves snapping at their wife or their children. I've had men come in, grown, strong, burly men, just burst into tears when I come in and say, hey, what's going on? What brings you in today? You know, you know these people after a few years. And they burst into tears and say, I just yelled at my wife like I've never yelled at her before. Or um, I spanked my kids like I've never, I don't even know who that guy was. And I've heard moms say the same things and they know something has got to change. This is not an attitude problem. It's not a problem of they're not trying or anything like that. They are trying. And you know, if you have depression, capital D or little d or anxiety disorder, they're very close. 
you know what it is just to get out of bed in the morning and get going. So if that's you, or if you know somebody that has this, just listen, and I will explain to you what I've learned over the years. I have not seen one patient, we cannot get better. They all get better. The treatments are different. Sometimes you need medication. Sometimes you don't need medication. It's kind of like in a track meet, right? You have the sprinters, they run 100 yards, and we love watching them, they're the fastest. They don't need a big gulp at the end of 100 yards, but the marathon runners, they a little sip of water is not gonna do it for them. If you run 26 miles, you need a big gulp or two. And it's the same with depression. It depends on the person. It depends on what they've been through. Some people have been through a stressful thing that's just short or early or their genetics, they can handle it. Maybe they just need counseling and to talk to somebody. That does work. And that's what we usually recommend is counseling and talk with somebody. They have amazing counselors. I used to send people to counselors all the time. And they give you ways to cope and deal with things that are just phenomenal. It works. You just ask them. They will tell you. But I can also tell you, if you give somebody that just ran a marathon a little sip of water, it's not enough. And I've had people that went to counseling and they've done all the right things. They go to church. They say their prayers. They exercise. They lose weight. They change their jobs. They do anything you can imagine, any number of things, change their whole life around, and it doesn't go away. And this is what happens with depression many times. Not every time. And again, you and your doctor have to decide this stuff. I'm just telling you what I've seen through the years that works. I cannot be one-on-one -on -one with you as your doctor, but I'm going to tell you what I've learned over the years that works. And when I say I know it works, I am not exaggerating. I'm not, I've not seen hundreds or thousands. I've probably seen 20 to 30,000 patients with depression since 1996. When you're seeing eight to 10 a day for many years, and before that it was five to six a year or five to six a day. And then when I see in the emergency department, I've seen people that have taken their lives, uh, young people. And I've seen many, many that attempted it. And then thank heavens texted somebody or told somebody I'm familiar with all aspects before they've done something and after they've done something. And I've seen successful people take successfully their lives, which is horrible to see in the family when I have to tell them that. So with depression, this is how we've learned about depression over the years. Like I said, if you have a bloody nose and we get it stopped, we know it's fixed, problem solved. If you cut your finger and we sew it up and it's not bleeding, it's fixed, problem solved. Depression, you can't fix it in a day, in a week. It takes sometimes more than a week or two. Sometimes it takes a few different medications. Sometimes the first one we use doesn't work. You know, you may go see a movie that you love and you, ex you explain it to your friend and they go see it and they don't like it at all because they're not you. But they'll find a movie they like and maybe you don't like that one. So medications, you got to work with your doctor and find out which one works. Um, with depression, this is how we've learned about depression. Many, many years ago, 50, 60 years ago, number one, we didn't have the internet and cell phones. I'm taping this right now on a cell phone. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have Facebook and texting and Instagram, and we didn't have a million things attacking us for our time and attention. And we still have the same 24 hours in a day that the pioneers and the pilgrims had, but we have to do immensely, infinitely more in those 24 hours than any of the pioneers ever did or the pilgrims. So is it any wonder that we, we feel the effects of it and it starts to affect us? Not our, our body so much, but our physical and physiological chemistry of our brain, which then can affect your body, you can feel tired and energy and all that kind of stuff goes down. Well, they started in, you know, as they started coming up with more and more technology and we learned how to research and figure things out, 
they started doing experiments on animals where you take an animal, a mammal, this won't work on reptiles or birds or uh, fish. It's gotta be a mammal with this cerebral cortex that has more ability to think and learn and reason. And they take and they expose these animals to stressful situations, strobe lights, electrical jolts, not enough to hurt them, but it doesn't, they don't like it, it hurts, doesn't damage them. Well, and they found that after they did this for a while, the animal's behavior would change. They wouldn't interact with the other animals the same when they put them back in with the other animals. They wouldn't interact the same. They would fight more. Some would sit in the corner and just get withdrawn. Some of them would overeat and gain lots of weight. Some wouldn't eat at all. And some of them would just die for whatever reason. Then when they took these same animals and they you know, did autopsies and started to search what's going on, what caused them to die when we cause these stressful situations for an animal. And they find that they're their heart is fine, their kidneys, liver, blood, everything's fine. Under the microscope, everything looks normal. So what was it? And as technology advanced, then they started coming up with more and more advanced things like electron microscopes and better, fancier ways, which a pathologist could explain to you, not a family doctor. Um, they came up with ways to take parts of the brain. They figured it must be something that affects the brain. And when they learned how to take the brain and look under a microscope, that's when they determined there are actual physiological changes in the brain of, an, of a mammal, whether it's a mouse or a cat or a dog or a monkey, when you expose them to stressful events long enough. And you can't see it on the outside. And you can't even see it like from a CAT scan or an MRI. Now we can't take people and take samples of their brain and look under an electron microscope, but that's where the changes occur. That's why sometimes medication is needed. And it's, I always told my patients, it's kind of like looking at the earth from the space shuttle, right? If there's a hurricane, you could see that because hurricanes, here's the earth, hurricanes are big, they're hundreds of miles, and you can see that swirl of clouds from the space shuttle. But you cannot from the space shuttle see the traffic in New York or Los Angeles. You know it's there, but you can't see it. It's just too small. I guess if you had a macro telescope, if you had the Hubble there, you could zoom in on it and see it. Well, that's what they did. They invented ways to look on a, macro, or a microscopic, really zoomed in view of the brain using chemistry and other methods, again, that I can't explain in details, and they've isolated there are definite changes in the brain. Not so much anatomical changes, but chemical changes. There are three chemicals, three hormones, three whatever you want to call them, that they learn when you put an animal through enough stress, there's these three, one of these three chemicals, or all three, can go down. When those chemicals go down, those animals don't perform memory tests, tests as well. They struggle with the other animals. They fight with the other animals. They get withdrawn. Their behavior changes dramatically. And it's the same with people. When you put people through enough stress, and we don't even have to list the stress, just with besides all the technological advances, which are blessings and curses, I guess, just think of the news, just turn on the news. Our grandparents, if our grandparents turned on the news now, great-grandparents, they wouldn't even, they wouldn't turn it on again. They wouldn't even wanna go out their front door. We go out into it every day. And if you don't go out to it, it will come to you. It will come right into your living room with your media and everything else. Though you cannot keep the world out of your life anymore. Um, so people just like that, those three chemicals can go down. The primary one is serotonin. I'm sure you've heard these words before. Some of you are probably well-versed in, in medicine and, and these kinds of things. Serotonin is the primary one. There's another one called norepinephrine and a third one called dopamine. 
They've done studies on these things. When you hit the jackpot, you get a surge of serotonin and dopamine. When you have good things in your life, these chemicals raise. When you go through stressful things, these chemicals decline. When those chemicals decline, it's just like turning the volume down on your radio. There's nothing wrong with your ears or your radio. You just turn the volume down. There's no wonder you can't hear it as well. When there's less electricity going through the speaker and it doesn't vibrate as much, you just can't hear it as much because not as much sound is being produced. It's the same with our physical bodies. And I know this is true because I've treated depression for 26 years. I had people come in and even I wondered, I wonder if we can help this one. We would try counseling. Sometimes that's all they needed. Sometimes if people just needed to know, I'm not crazy, am I? I feel like I'm more irritable. I feel like I'm snapping more at people. I feel like I'm not having fun anymore. And I say to them, that's normal. And maybe they're in a bad job or maybe they're in a bad relationship. They're you know with somebody they need to not be with or they just need to change something in their life. And if you can get rid of the stress, their chemicals will come back up. You don't have to do it medically. You can. They will come up on their own. But if, if you're in a place you can change your life, what if you have a sick person in your family? What if you have a condition of your health that is not fixable, that you just have to live with it? Uh, if you have a, there's sometimes people love their jobs, but they just, it's a lot of stress with their job. You can be stressed out by something you love just as much as you can be stressed out by something you don't love. I told people probably the most stressful thing we'll ever do in our whole lives is get married and have children because your life will never be the same. Stress to the human mind is just change. And it can be little C, like you change, you get a new car or you change your wardrobe, but it can major, it can be a capital C. You change, you get married, you have a baby. And the worst thing we could do is take those things away from you. You can't change that. You don't want to change that. But to your brain, it's just, it's stress. Change is stress. And so sometimes we look at these people in their late 20s and they've gotten married and they have two or three or four kids within a short time. And they wonder why they're just not the person they used to be. They're not as happy. They're not as energetic. And so sometimes you just tell them that's all it is. You've had a lot of these changes. You're not weird. Your sleep and your focus are just a result of all the stress. And sometimes if they learn that and they go get uh, talk to a therapist and the therapist can help them with different ways of thinking and coping and that's all they need, wonderful. We love not having to put people on medications. But sometimes they've done all that. They've done everything they were told to do. And they, are and they hear on TV and by experts and things they read Oh, no, don't take medications. And I never understood that. I thought, now, wait a minute. These very same people who say never take antidepressants are the same people who would say, well, if you have diabetes, we'll take your insulin. What's the matter with you? Of course, you have to take insulin. If your thyroid's low, you got to take thyroid. How often? Every day. For how long? The rest of your life. If your thyroid's low, you got to take thyroid the rest of your life. If you're diabetic, you're going to need insulin or some medication the rest of your life. There's a lot of medical conditions. They have no problems with those medications. So why are they so negative and, I don't know, against using medication for something that we can fix? And I know that because they come to me and I'd say, okay, you've done this, you've done this, you've done this. Are you ready to try some medication? And, you know, rightly so. They're a little nervous. They're like, you're messing with my brain now. You know, messing with brain chemistry is kind of like tinkering with an atomic bomb. You just don't start messing around in there if you don't know what you're doing. Well, that's why we go to training. <laughs> that's why we trained. I trained with psychiatrists and I trained with psychologists. And then I have 21, 25 years of family practice and urgent care. 
of treating depression. And I know we can get it better. Sometimes counseling, sometimes exercise and weight loss, sometimes all of those, and sometimes yes, we do need medication to get those hormones back up. Serotonin, norepinephrine, dopamine, sometimes one, sometimes two, sometimes all three. There's different medications. You can talk with your physician or your doctor or your PA about those medications. They're great. They know how to do this. And as you watch these chemicals come up, you won't, we don't have to tell you you're better. You'll tell us, I am feeling better. I'm sleeping better. I'm not as angry. I don't snap anymore. I kind of like my job again. And I used to say to people, will you trust me? Because they don't want to take it. They think you're messing with my brain chemistry. And I said, okay, do you trust me? You trust me to do all these other things we've done? And they say, well, yeah, I trust you. Okay, will you trust me to just take this for two weeks? Just to, we start a very slow, that's the other mistake. Don't start too high or you will have problems. You don't kick a kid into the deep end when they're learning to swim. You get them used to the wading pool and then you gradually work your way to the deep end. With medications, it's the exact same thing. You start them on, on a very low dose of a very simple medicine that maybe raises one of those hormones. And then you have them come back in two weeks. And I say, how you doing? Well, you know, I at first, the first few days, I didn't really feel anything. But somewhere around that second week, some people did. Their first week, they started feeling better. Not cured. Again, this isn't gonna be cured in an instant. This is a marathon. They'd say, I am feeling better. And I'd say, okay, well, let's keep going. Maybe another two weeks. And then they come back in two more weeks and they say, I am doing better. I'm not where I want to be. And I kind of plateaued and I say, okay, well, let's maybe bump your dose up a little bit. And then we just work with them. And I am not, I'm not exaggerating. I am not selling a thing. I'm doing this just, I know I can help. When my mom says she knows four people that took their own life in the last month, I feel like I, I need to be able to get this word out that there's hope. We can fix these people. It will take a team. It will take psychologists and therapists and doctors and sometimes medication. And they all get better. Sometimes it's not the first medicine. Sometimes it's not the second. But we always get them better eventually. And it's so fun to see people come back in a month or two weeks or a month and a half. And they say, I can't believe this is working. I'm not going to quit my job. I love my work again. I love going to church again. Um, I'm starting to exercise again. I've started losing weight. I mean, I'm telling you, uh, my friends, uh, Dr. Ted, I'm telling you, I've done this tens of thousands of times and it works. I am not trying to convince you to take medicine. I'm not trying to convince you that therapy is not needed. Many times that's the very thing they do need. But sometimes medication is okay. And the thing is, most of the time when we get people, their hormones back up, you keep them on for about six months, give or take a little bit, maybe more, and then you can take them off. You have to do it slowly, come off over a couple of weeks. You can't just drop it. Just, you know, if you climb a bunch of stairs, you can't just jump, you'll break your leg. If you climb up a bunch of stairs, you have to come down a stair at a time, but you can come down. Some people say, I don't want to come off. I don't want to go back where I was. And we say, that's okay. I've had people on them for 10 years, 20 years. They work. They don't cause all these weird, I don't know what, people say, you'll be a zombie. No, no, you won't. If you don't like who you are or your family doesn't like who you are, then we won't use those. We'll stop them. We certainly don't want to change you other than get you back to your old self again. I'm telling you from experience, I know this works because I've done it. So um, I will post again here sometime soon. Uh, if you have any questions, you can send it to this. I hope this shows up. Ask Dr. Ted at gmail.com. 
AskDrTed at gmail.com. If you have any questions, text, uh, email me and I will answer them. And I'm hoping to do some just tips, like when do you need to go to the doctor? When do you need to go to the ER? You know, what, what, what are emergencies? What can wait? What's not an emergency? What seems like one, but isn't one? What seems like it's not an emergency, but it is. And I hope that you'll, uh, I can teach you some things, save you some money, save you some time. And for those of you that feel like you've lost hope and there's no hope, there is hope. I promise you, I am not, I am not saying this just uh, uh, flippantly or anything like that. You will get better. We can get you better. And there is a process, but you have to trust and you got to go see your doctor and you got to do whatever they tell you to do. You got to trust them. If you don't like that one, go to a different one. That's fine. Sometimes people come to me and they hated my guts. I can't understand why, but, and they go to a different one. That's okay. Let's, doctors have more than enough people to fill their schedules. Find one you like, find one you trust, and we'll get you better. I promise you. I know it's true. Okay. Thanks for listening. I'm honored that you tuned in. See you next time.